it is time for another Master Passive Income show. My name's Dustin Heiner, I'm the founder of Master Passive Income, and I help people quit their job by investing in real estate rental properties and build an automatic business that makes them money while they sleep. Now, in the Master Passive Income show, we talk all about rental properties and how you can quit your job because you have money coming in, whether you work or not, in your pocket every single month. It's called monthly passive income. Now today, we're gonna be looking at how you can finance your way into more and more properties. I have an expert on, he is an expert financial lender. He has lent money to lots and lots of people and he is fantastic. He's gonna show us great things like delayed financing. I didn't know about that for a long time and all of a sudden I found out like, what's delayed financing? Well, give me some more of that and so many other options of how to use other people's money to make more money in your real estate business and build it even faster by buying more properties. Basically recycling that money over and over again. And this is what I want for you so that you can quit your job with real estate rental property. All right, guys, let's get in there. Let's start the show where we talk all about financing and using other people's money. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Let's get started now. Hey, you guys, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the Master Passive Income Show. It's super exciting to see so many people getting passionate about investing in real estate rental properties. I love seeing your reviews on the podcast. And in fact, I want to read one quick review that I just recently got. This is from Rick572. He says, love your podcast. Gave it five stars. Hey, thank you very, very much, Rick. And Rick says, just found your podcast and can't put it down. I'm an investor about level two with 20 years experience and listen to some podcasts and read books. And your podcast is the best, very entertaining and a lot of information, which I had found you a couple years ago because you answer a lot of questions and are very inspirational. Thank you for a great podcast, Rick in Central Texas. Hey, Rick, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. And I thank you so much for, for listening to the podcast because this is you're the reason, you and everybody else are the reason why I put this out. And I just want to help so many people to change their lives because we are taught that we need to go to school. Then after we go to school, we go to college. Then after college, we get a job. Then we buy a house. And then we retire when we're 68 years old or however, whatever the retirement age is. Well, that wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to retire when I was much younger. And praise the Lord, I was able to re retire when I was 37 years old. Now I've been retired for you know over two and a half years now. And I will literally never work a job again. It's absolutely fantastic. And this is what I want for you. Now, there are two things I want to share with you before we get started in this episode. Number one, I just created a Facebook community for the Master Passive Income listeners and readers of the blog and readers of the book. And if you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash group, G-R-O-U-P forward slash group, and you'll get in there and you'll be working with and networking with other investors and myself and the other Master Passive Income coaches will be all working together to build our businesses, asking questions, getting answers, and, and really just taking it to the next level. So get in there, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash group. Now, one other thing I want to give you, 
I want to give you a free investing course. If you haven't already gotten already, I want to get it in your hand so you can really see how rental properties can change your life and how you can never work a job again. So go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, all one word. And for both of these links, I'll put them in the description below. And to get to the podcast show notes for today's show, in case you want to read everything that's written out in long form for you, which I actually prefer doing sometimes. So go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 053. This is a 53rd podcast episode. And now I wanted to bring an expert on so that you can hear to see how it is that you should get started with investing or like in this case, how to get your financing right so you can buy that first property and be prepared to buy that next property and then even grow it even bigger where you scale it more, where you're buying properties even faster using things like delayed financing. So Patrick Stoy is a great mortgage broker. I'll give you also his links if you want to contact him in the show notes as well. But without further ado, let's get into the show where I talk with Patrick Patrick Stoy, and we look at how to use financing and other people's money to build our business even faster. All right, let's get in there. All right, everybody, thank you so much for being here with me. I have Patrick Stoy here with me, and he is helping us to understand financing and even something as awesome as delayed financing, which I've used in the past as well. So, Patrick, thank you so much for being here on the show. Hey, Dustin, appreciate you having me here. Thank you so much. Awesome. So, Tell me a little bit about yourself, like not about your business or work or anything, but like who you are, where you live, your married kids and what you like to do. Just get to know you. Yep. Um, located in Wilmington, North Carolina, right along the border of North and South Carolina, right along the coast. Uh, a lot of people may remember we had the hurricane that came through in September and flooded a lot of homes in this area. So we've been uh, working a lot with those. And um, basically, I'm married, got two kids, a 17-year-old son, goes to school up at New Hampton, New Hampshire. I've also got a one-year-old daughter, so I like to keep things exciting. And um, married my beautiful wife, Laura. Um, she is a commercial insurance agent with uh, Wells Insurance here in Wilmington. And uh, two dogs, cat, and you know all the other fun stuff to keep the household busy. That's great. So you mentioned the, the, all the weather that went through and then the flooding and everything. How'd that work out for you? Like, just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, either some stories or anything that you have from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uh, hurricane hit in the middle of September. Um, we left town also, which majority of the town did because it was supposed to be category three, four coming in. And um, it was just a very unique hurricane because the way that it came in and then it just sat over. So the beaches, which usually get the, the surge, didn't really have much impact. It was more of the inland rivers swelled. And there was a lot of flooding in places where there was not supposed to be flooding, where people didn't have flooding insurance and stuff like that, unfortunately. So when we got back in town, we did a, um, a, a gathering at the church so we could basically give people what their options were that didn't have insurance and how to work through the system and, and, and how we could actually provide 100% financing for people as long as we knew that their house would be paid off with insurance so we could get them back to some stability as quick as possible. So um, we've literally, since you know October, November, December, I mean, we've been getting people back into properties. I mean, we literally had somebody, um, we closed them on Wednesday. Um, they had lost their house. They've been living in a one bedroom apartment, husband, wife, two dogs, or two kids and a dog. And we just got them into their house the other day. And it was so nice to see them happy that they're now getting their, you know, their own spaces again, instead of being cramped into an apartment. Man, that, 
that hurricane was what uh, six no eight months ago September yeah I mean okay. it's it's and it, and it will draw out I mean it's um a lot of people displaced and the insurance takes forever and 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 even the house and the longer those houses sit the more issues become so then it becomes is it just a does it lead to a teardown because now instead of just a, a wall or a room now it's the whole house has issues so there's you know we, we're doing everything we can to try to help people get into their homes as much as possible, you know, new homes and get stable again to get back to some stability. Cause there's a lot of people still living in hotels and spliced right now. That, that is awesome that you were able to do use financing as a way to help people get into homes faster. That's, that's yep. great. Very, very cool. So in thinking about real estate and rental properties and getting single family homes, even up to, you know, duplex, triplexes and things like that. Tell us about how you got started investing in real estate and, you know, maybe about the first deal and how that went and your thoughts about it. Um, first rental property. Um, basically, I bought my first house in 2001 and 2003 came around and I was looking to kind of outgrowing that house and it came to the juncture of sell the property or jump into the fear of having a first rental property. You know, so my first rental property was was leaving my existing primary, buying another house and then you know, trying to, to, to do that. And it's uh, pretty interesting because my first, my first inclination was how do I guarantee the income coming in? So I actually went section eight on my very first house because it was guaranteed income. So they came out there, they inspected it. Here's the little things you got to do because I had the fear of like, what about if I don't have a renter and I've got two mortgage payments? So basically, um, for the first year went and found a section eight tenant, um, got all that taken care of. And then from that, it was my first experience of having a tenant. Um, after that section eight experience, I felt a little more comfortable because I didn't have to worry about it per se being guaranteed that I would receive the check on a certain day of the month. Um, just put it up for rent and then had it for rent for a couple of years and then actually sold that property to one of my employees that he bought it as his primary residence when he had his first kid. And now he has it as a rental property also. So it's kind of cool to have the transition from what I did to one of my guys that he did the same thing and he still has it as a rental property. That's great. That, that, that sounds really, really cool. And so what year did you sell it? Um, so I bought it in 2001, turned it into a rental in 2003. I probably sold it to him 2008 probably 2009, somewhere in that ballpark. So after the market did a little, did a correction or the, the crash? Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't really see a big one where we are. I mean, we're kind of a in Wilmington, North Carolina. I mean, there were some corrections on things, but nothing too crazy, I would say. Oh, that's great. So from there, did you continue in buying more single families? Did you get into multifamily? What was your process of getting yep. from there to the next next deal? Yeah. So my second uh, or my after converting that to a, a, um, a, a rental property, you know, cause then I felt daring. Um, I went to uh, Raleigh and bought a condo in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, got involved, you know, bought that condo. It was kicking off cash. You know, condos are great for that purposes near university. It was, it was right near NC state. Um, so that was my second one. Um, then, then actually ended up going in with a couple buddies on a condo at the beach because, you know, I knew what I was doing now <laughs> at Wrightsville Beach, so which we still have today. Um, and then I also at that same time um, 
not to get off subject, but I bought into a mobile home park at that time also. So that was kind of, you know, getting hot and heavy of like, hey, I think I know what I'm doing and, you know, experiencing, you know, the different ways and different kinds of properties of doing things. Um, so the mobile home park, was that the park itself? You bought the entire park? Bought the whole park. Yep. That's the way that, to make that, money because you're you're basically leasing the land, not a depreciating asset like a mobile home. Uh, well, there's a long story to that one. Um, we literally bought it, and six months after we bought it, the uh, the uh, it was the environmental people got in touch with us and like, oh, there's been citations issued to this park that you have to uh, remove all the septic tanks. So, oh, no. needless to say, we ended up. It didn't come up on the phase two, or it didn't come up on the phase one. That so it was a learning lesson. I can tell you all about mobile what, home parks. What about now, okay? So just quickly, the only thought I have is, what about title insurance? Did that not cover any of that? No, because we bought it out of a foreclosure, so we didn't get a warranty deed. We got the uh, the special deed that doesn't give any insurance, essentially. So learn learning lesson. Um, oh man. That so out of this that that's definitely a huge lesson to learn. Now, if there was somebody that was going to be something either near nearly like this, but like the basically the question is, how can somebody bar against that? Like, what should they do? Because you know we just trust title companies to do their job. Um, and it, I guess is the lesson: Hey, if you're getting a foreclosure and you have this type of le- uh, 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 deed that you're getting, it's not a warranty deed. If you get that, then you know you don't get the title insurance. Is, is that the lesson, or is there something else we can learn? Um, it's basically just do your due diligence. You've got to, you know, the things that are not included that a title search would pull up or even an appraisal would pull up, which would be the local, um, environmental, especially when you're dealing with commercial projects that have septic tanks, you know, and those kind of things is always outside of what the attorney does, what the appraiser does check with the health department. So it was the health department that contacted you. Correct. It was the health department. So got it. Yeah. So wow, man, that that that's not fun. I've I've had to change out septic systems, and it's it's not fun. I mean, it's it's expensive. <laughs> it gets oh yeah, up there. we had to put the whole infrastructure in. We had to go tear. We had thirty nine homes. When we bought. We had to go down to thirteen tenant owns. Put the infrastructure in <laughs> for the sewer. Tap it. You know, get all that taken care of. And this is during two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. You know, going through all this stuff, but you know, the the lemonade at the end of it is now. I mean, we now have thirty nine homes out there. We've got brand new. We 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 even got our dealer's license, so we could go buy them from the manufacturer, put them out there, and we're able to provide housing, affordable housing for people right now, especially after the storm. That you know, it's something that they can live in that's cost affordable. You know, three bedroom, two bath homes. So that's great. So do you manage the properties? Do you have other property managers or yep. how do you do that? When we went small, we used to do it ourselves, but of course, then you run into all the stories and you try to be, you know, okay, we'll let you, you know, we understand. Um, but at some point we had to look at each other, like, look, we've got to turn this into a business. So we turned it over to a property management company to remove the emotion away from it, <laughs> essentially. Um, so it's just, here's our rules. We got to stick to them. If you don't have it by this date, start giving a notice and, you know, just had to remove ourselves from it when you're dealing with that many people. Yeah, I 
wholeheartedly agree. Um, I even teach that the first property, um, and especially if you're investing out of state, you have to do this, or at least it's very, very wise to do this. But get a property manager, and I always make sure that we include those numbers, uh, you know, the expense of a property manager in the deal. And I won't buy it, or I don't suggest to my students to buy it unless those numbers are in there. And if you want to manage yourself, you're just pocketing that money. That's great. But if you all of a sudden like, hey, I have to move here to take care of my family or whatever it might be, you have that already in the budget to handle or have a property manager. No, absolutely. You need to put that 10% expense in there just to be safe. Yeah. So are you currently still investing in, in North Carolina or other places? Um, right now. So I've gone and, and done all the little things <laughs> of, of renting. Um, I got into rehabbing in probably 2012, 2013. So buying, fixing and flipping. Um, you know, owning a mortgage company and doing this, I've been in the mortgage industry since 1999, opened my company in 2005. I had helped a lot of people and gone through it and gone through it um, and, and helped people build their portfolios, essentially, which was great to watch them be successful and use the other cash flow to pay off all the other properties where people now own 10 properties free and clear. Um, and they've got the option of retiring or you know, not. I mean, one of the ladies that we dealt with, she literally just retired, is now traveling the world. And she has to, uh, she was explaining to me when she goes to Germany that she has to leave there so often because she, she there's only a certain amount of time you can stay in each country that you have to come back to the state. So it's, it's good to see those years of work of what it's done. But basically, I'd help people help people do it. And then 2013, 14, I kind of want to start playing in the fix and flip arena myself. I had picked up a couple other single family residences through the years, you know, just had them in my rental portfolio. Um, and then uh, just kind of started doing the fix and flips, fix and flips, and uh, just figured out that my best use of time was actually back at lending <laughs> and not running around to Home Depot and going checking on construction sites and stuff. So, but, but I did, I mean, I probably ended up fixing flipping, you know, five or six houses. It was a good experience for me. So I know what you got to go through, um, how to manage the books, how to do this, that, and look get a little more efficient with it. That's great. And that's something that um, a lot of my students as they're going through, they either think I got to do it myself or hire a property manager. And so, yeah, so basically at the, after doing a couple rehabs, flips and stuff like that, um, just, you know, figured out my best time of use was actually getting back and just helping people with the finance side of it. Um, so I've really just over the last couple of years quit doing the fix and flips, just lending money to people that, that um, are doing it um, from a residential standpoint. And also um, I have a self-directed IRA that we also, you know, is a good way of doing it. If you're not going to go fix and flip yourself is to go help those people that are wanting to do it. So, That's great. Okay, so let's let's shift now to where we're talking about financing because how I found you, another one of my podcast guests, his name was Lee, and Lee helped me to to know that there's a term called delayed financing. I was always doing it, I just didn't know what it was called. And he pointed me over to you and said, "Hey, talk to Patrick. He helps me. Like we figured out how to do delayed financing, and we've got this, you know, this whole everything lined up and done. And so tell us a little bit about delayed financing, like the broad overview, like what. What is it and how does it function? Yep. So delayed finance is basically when you use um, an asset, whether it's your own money or a loan from your retirement account, um, home equity line, just an, or even a promissory note from somebody to go purchase a property with cash, fix up the property, 
to where it's in now a rentable condition to where we can send an appraiser out there with that there's nothing wrong with the property essentially and then we will basically provide you back with your project cost um give you back your project cost up to 75 percent loan to value of the appraisal value now so example you know just go through some quick math you buy it for 60 you put 15 into it so your project cost is 75,000. um and then it's worth a hundred thousand when you're done, you literally could get a loan for 75,000 or 75% of what the appraisal value is once you're done doing your rehab. Now, is that a, now that sounds fantastic. Um, is that a normal mortgage, like a 30 year fixed, 15 yep. year, you just pick whatever type of mortgage yep. you want it's and a just jump in? Regular 30 year fix. That's great. So is there, because it's delayed financing or the, the, the style of financing is different than just a normal mortgage where you buy, are the points different or is there more um, the interest rates higher just because of the type of loan? Is it similar? Yeah, well, there's an adjustment because it is considered a cash out because you now own that property free and clear because you used another asset to buy it. Because the, the, the key with delayed financing is there cannot be a lien against the property when we refinance it. So we literally have the attorney do a title search. There can be no liens against it. So it is a adjustment in the pricing of a cash out. So it's just it's a it's a pricing mechanism, essentially. So it is a higher rate than what a purchase if you just bought it straight. If you just did a purchase transaction, you would get a little bit better pricing than it being a cash out. Got it. Got it. Got it. So let's walk through it step by step. So number one, let's say I have cash, but well, let's pause that. Not a lot of people have a lot of cash. So let's say they have their home equity um, and their, their equity in their home and they want to do a cash out refinance. Would they start with you to do a cash out refinance? So on if, if, if on their primary residence, a couple of things they could do. They could borrow equity from their house, which, yes, you could do a cash out refinance, which guidelines right now with certain credit scores let you pull up out to 85 percent on a primary residence, 85 um, percent of the appraisal value on your on your primary. Um, or if you have a good rate because rates were low for a couple of years and you don't want to you know change the difference there, you can go get a line of credit from a, a local bank. And basically just have your line of credit. Um, there are some banks that are actually going all up to 100% of the value of your property right now. And you could use that line of credit for your per se um, business. Let's just call it a business of buying rental properties. Um, you would basically borrow the money from the home equity line to purchase, the, the, let's just say, our subject property that we're talking about. So that way the lien is actually against your primary residence and not against the property that's going to we're going to do the delayed financing on. That sounds that sounds great because I've done this many times where I bought properties with cash, but then I had to wait six months, you know, seasoning so before I can actually pull the money out. And I didn't do delayed financing; I just literally had to wait and then um, have an appraisal come through and all that sort of stuff. So, um, tell us a little bit about the the thinking that now we don't have to wait. Like, why do we not have to wait six months like we normally would? Right. This that's the good caveat with with the delayed financing um, and the the whole thing is there. There's no lien against the property. That's what makes the delayed financing because literally, I mean, we've got people that have come in, bought it, fixed it up within two to three weeks. We started our process of getting the appraiser out there, did our paperwork, and they had their money back in about 15 to 20 days. So the good part is with delayed financing, they can take that same. Just say it's the home equity line. Um, because what happens is if we see that it's borrowed money, which your home equity line is borrowed money, even though it's your own asset, we pay the home equity line back, which pays it back to zero, and then you can go do it again. So as quickly as you can acquire them, get them rehabbed, 
um, get the, you know, we get the appraiser out there, we can get the money back in your pocket. And so generally just say a 45 day time cycle from start to finish, you can roll that, you know, four five, six times a year to get it within a 12 month time period. So are there more lenders out there, more mortgage brokers that do this, or are there like a specialty niche that, that only a few of them know how to do it? I mean, it's available to everybody. I mean, me and Lee, the gentleman that you referenced, I mean, me, we probably about five or six years ago kind of went through. So I'm a true mortgage broker. Um, so it allows, I have different investors, which is good because especially working with investors, we have lots of different options. Um, we kind of presented this to one of our investors. Hey, if we go at it from this perspective of, you know, putting the, the project costs onto the settlement statement, will that still qualify for delayed financing? And we put it through and they were absolutely fine with it. It fit into the guidelines. So it's available pretty much. It's just somebody's got to be able to understand it and know how to do it. So I've really, you know, we've made it our strong point for the last probably six years of which investors are okay with it. And, you know, because here's the guidelines that it fits into. So do you have a few different, like you don't just have one bank that if they just say no, you don't, you're you kind of out of luck. Do you have other banks or other investors yeah. that would be able to be okay with it? Yeah, we use, I mean, being a broker, I'm literally signed up with 50 plus banks, but we do business with about five of them on a normal daily basis. Um, and we haven't had any issues with any of them. Very, very cool. So the late financing sounds fantastic. Now, do you have any other thoughts since you do mortgages as well as you work with investors at the same time? So delayed financing is one tool in an investor's tool belt of mm -hmm. how to build the business faster and build it well. Any other thoughts of how, you know, how we can invest and use mortgages in a creative way that we would normally not have, like just regular mortgage um, or delayed financing? Is there something else that we could look at or maybe think of? Yep. So here's the things with, you know, delayed financing, the most mortgage, the most finance mortgages you can have right now for Fannie and Freddie is 10 finance mortgages. So once you've done this and you've got 10 finance properties, you're kind of up, okay, what do we do now? So at that point, we basically kind of switch gears and there are what's called debt service ratio loans, where they literally use the cash flow of the property to support the transaction. So they don't actually get into your personal um, liabilities and what your income is, because these are now structured as commercial transactions. Um, and you literally will hold them inside of an LLC. Now you're still going to personally guarantee it, but you will now hold it inside of an LLC and it's based off of just the cash flow of the property. And there's no limitation of how many of those you can do. And you can do them as individual properties, or you can do a blanket over multiple properties and literally create yourself mini REITs. Um, and you can get 30 year fixed rates on those. You can also get arms and, you know, those kind of products. That's, that's terrific. Now, uh, cause I've done blanket loans in the past where you definitely, uh, the bank requires that the properties be put into an LLC. So it's in the you know, banks or the, the business name. Um, so right now I, I really like how you said that they they do have 30 year loans. Cause that was my question was because the one that I have, it's a five year fixed and then they renew and they do another five year fix. So it's, it just constantly changes. And I'm not sure I, well, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of that because, you know, something might happen, you know, market crashes, whatever. Um, you know, and rates just skyrocket. Um, so I'm not a big fan of that. And I'm not a big fan of um, just adjustable rate mortgages in general. So right. I like, I personally like being a single family home investor, a 30 year fix. I know exactly what's coming out of my pocket or out of the tenant's pocket because they're paying the, the bill. Um, so if, if I do, like I do have, um, let's say four properties that are in a blanket loan right now. And if I wanted to refinance it to a 30 year fix, so I just bring it to you and say, Hey, there's, these, these are the four properties. This is how much profit it makes. 
Help me out. Yep. Basically, we just do all appraisals on all four of them. You can actually pull the cash out of them also if you wanted to. Depending on credit score and loan amounts can determine how much we'll lend you. But you literally could take all those properties, put it to where you have one mortgage payment every single month. It includes taxes, insurance, everything like that. And it's just securitized by all four pieces of those properties. That's that's great. So if anybody has any properties that do not have any liens, like uh, uh, a home equity loan, um, uh, a regular mortgage, like if it's basically a free and clear without any liens on it, you can lend money on that property. Correct. Yeah. And that's actually one of the bigger things we do is we've got investors right now that you know, have really worked hard on owning a free and clear and they're kind of, they now don't have their W-2 job and they're trying to figure out how to keep doing it. So basically what we do is we sit down with them, what they're working with, and we'll go and do a cash out on those properties that they own free and clear, the ones that they want to bundle together to create that mini REIT, give them the cash to now, now they can go buy the next properties free and clear, fix them up, get them all rented, and then we duplicate the process and just continue moving the bucket. Every time they get them, you know, completely rented it up, we just go back, give them the cash again, and they just go, you know, go find the next deal. That's fantastic. I've done it many times. I love that process because my business builds so much faster when I'm using other people's money like that. It's just absolutely fantastic to do that. So any other types of tips or thoughts of how to um, get financing and be able to use something like you, Patrick, to didn't get or I'm not able to get a regular mortgage or something like that, but what any other options that come to mind? No, I mean, I, I will tell you that a lot of the the banks, I mean, they're captive to their rules. They have their overlays. So, of course, being a broker, I'm a strong advocate of brokers because we do have multiple options that can get things accomplished. So, you know, if the deal makes sense and, you know, there's it's, you know, you've got the, you know, you've paid your bills like you should have and your credit's at least decent and you've got some assets to work with, there's generally a way that a broker can find a way to get it done because the capital markets have really come back over the last couple of years of trying to put their money to work and they're being really aggressive with, with their rates. It's not like it's, you know, 15, 16%. I mean, you're down literally um, and in, without getting into rates, I mean, you're, you're generally about 2% to 3% higher than what you could get a 30 year fixed for going full doc. So it's not crazy rates by any means. Yeah. For, I mean, for a cash out loan, people, somebody might say, well, I know I could get a mortgage for three and a half, four percent, five percent, whatever it might, might be right now. Um, why would I want to pay 2% more? Well, it's just that that's what it costs in order to do a cash out. It's totally different ball of wax for banks. You know, they're, they're seeing cash come out. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's absolutely terrific. So what are your thoughts of, um, with the blanket loan, if somebody had I don't know, let's say 20 properties and they have 10 of them that are free and clear. Is, is it, is there any limit to how many properties they can put under a blanket loan? No, it's unlimited. I mean, the bigger, the bigger the loan amount also, the better terms you're going to get. So sometimes it's better. And that's where we kind of go through the properties. Um, and because a couple of variables get looked at, I mean, what's the value of the property gets, you know, the individual property because the investors have minimums of what they want those values to be worth. I mean, they don't want a $40,000 property um, in there, but but we look at it. I mean, we, that's just the thing of sitting down with a professional and just trying to figure out what's the best way to get the best deal based off of my portfolio of things. Because, you know, when you, when you put these in these blanket loans, because they're capital market deals, they do have prepayment penalties on them. I mean, that's why they're being, um, doing what they're doing. Um, but generally, Prepayment penalties are five years. They're not any longer than that. So like with a 30-year fix, you're going to have a 54321. But after five years, 
you're able to do what you want to with it. Got it. And to, for, for people listening and watching this, it would basically be like if you, after two years, wanted to refinance again, that's a prepayment. Like you're literally paying off that loan again. So they're going to have to have that prepayment penalty. So um, yeah, that's that's great. So five years, that's really not that long to hold a bunch of, a bunch of properties and hold that note, especially if you have a 30-year note. I mean, every time you refinance, it's, it could be good if you have a lower rate. But if you refinance, um, if it's to help your business is good. But the downside is you start that whole interest clock all over again, which is a downside, but it's the cost of doing business. And I've done that so many times and I've made so much more money because I started that clock over by pulling money out and buying more properties with it. It's just the, the, a great way to go because a lot of people, most people don't have cash just to put down on a property. You start with a mortgage and then with that mortgage, then you pay it down and, or the tenant pays it down as you have it rented. And then you have a little equity time goes on and you, you make the property better. You pull money out, start that clock, clock over again. But at the same time, you can buy another property to make even more money. Does that sound like the right, right path to go? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically, I mean, what we tell people, especially with the 30 year fixed product, I mean, go ahead and lock it in because that way if, if you don't have that strategy, at least it's guaranteed. But after that five years, because generally every five to seven years is when people make their moves. I mean, it's just a natural cycle that it, at least it gives you that option that you can now go pull that cash out, go do your next deal, and then go from there. That's great. So where are, if somebody wanted to work with you, where do you, are, are you just in North Carolina? Or do you have other states that you work with? Do you know anybody else that they can work with you on? Yeah, so as a residential broker for the one to four units, that's North Carolina, but I'm a network of many brokers across the country. So it's just a matter of, you know, if somebody emails me, we have a whole list of who, what brokers are in what states that we can always introduce them to. Um, from a commercial standpoint, um, that's actually unlimited. Every state has its own requirements. So there are certain states that we can't operate in, but they're, it, every deal, every deal is different. So it's not like a straight you know, residential world, we're only North Carolina, we can tell you what a 30 year fix is. It's just a matter of contacting us. If we can do it in the commercial side on one of our states, we'll be more than happy to. Otherwise, we'll introduce you to somebody that can do in that state. That's that's terrific. So next question goes along with the lines of the ability to get financing. I have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and watch the YouTube videos, and they're from out of the country. Like uh, I have students that are, you know, uh, Switzerland or um, the Netherlands or just other places, like even in Afghanistan. And so, how would or have you come across anybody from outside the states to try to and, and invest in America, buy a property cash, and then refinance it? Do, do, do you see any hurdles with that, or is that possible? Um, we have, so you're talking not U.S. citizens is what you're, you're asking. Um, on our re residential side, I can tell you that we do have loans for foreign nationals and ITIN loans and stuff like that. So those are available for financing because you can only do those as investment properties in second homes. Wow. What's the I, would you, ITIN number? Uh, ITIN. Yeah. Basically, it's somebody that's actually here that doesn't have a social security number, but they've registered with the government and have been filing their taxes under an ITIN instead of a social security. Oh, I get. Okay. That's what the, yes, I, I've, I've come across that. So what if somebody lives in another country and they're so, not actually living here? Yep. It's a oh, same thing? foreign national loan. Uh Right. Very, very good. So if somebody wants to do the commercial lending with you and they're a foreign national, there shouldn't be too many problems, right? It doesn't sound right. like. Being a broker, we have all these different sources. So that's 
the difference that we're not just captive to one bank's rules. We literally have access to lots and lots of different institutions that are trying to put their money to work. That's fantastic. So there is definitely a way for outside the, like basically non-US citizens to be able to invest in in America. And I think that's that's fantastic that we have the ability to do that because I have quite a few people that are really just, man, I'd love to invest, but where I'm living, like, um, you know, let's say Greece or I Switzerland, Switzerland, like they literally have like generational loans. Like the loan passes on from generation to generation because it's so expensive. And like, well, I want to get cash flow. I'm thinking one student in particular, I'm trying to help them to get started in here. And so this is great. I'm really, really glad that I got to talk to you. Now, thinking about North Carolina, as we're wrapping up, I was thinking if somebody were to work with you in getting a residential property in North Carolina, is there any area that you would not say this is a great area, but like maybe, hey, Take a look at this area, like like Raleigh or or another place. Like, is there any area that you would suggest that you can get a property for sixty to eighty thousand dollars and do what you're talking about? Um, for that price range, I mean, we have uh, Fort Bragg, Fable area. We have Jacksonville, North Carolina. Um, there's Goldsboro. I'm just thinking of the military institutions because generally that's where you're going to have a lot of those areas essentially where there's a lot of turnover because people coming in people moving out and also the support staff that support the military it kind of keeps those prices relatively down so here in north carolina those are kind of the areas there i mean once you start getting into raleigh chapel hill durham i mean things are going up those are big technology and education areas and then charlotte um north carolina being a big banking once you go west of that you're into the mountains and You'll have those price ranges, yes, but it depends on whether you're looking for, is it a good rental area? Because there's got to be something there that keeps them there. Most people in those areas own their properties because they can be generational properties. That's cool. So in uh, September, I'm actually going to be over in Florida driving up to Washington, D.C., just seeing, sightseeing as well as looking at properties. So I'm going to take your take your idea and look at some areas and try to hopefully find some properties out there. So that's, that's really good. Great, great uh, insight. Good. Cool. So Patrick, as we're wrapping up, I definitely want people to be able to find you and to be able to utilize your services and then your network as well. Um, if uh, as they can point people, you can point people to different brokers in different states if they like. If you're not able to get it done, which seems like you're just about everything you can, how can they reach you? How can they find you and get a hold of you and, and contact you? Um, best way to do it. I mean, we have our website is uh, mcmortgagegroup.com visit us on the website. Um, you can also reach out um, via email. Um, my email address is pstoy at mcmortgagegroup.com. Those are probably the best two ways for people to touch base, essentially. Got it. Now, that's, that's great. Now, I'll also have this in the show notes in the description as well. So anybody else can get there and they can just click on the link and go right to you guys. But Patrick, thank you so much. It's been really informative and it's been super awesome to see that there are other ways to get properties and uh, uh, creative ways to use your financing and other people's money to get and build your business even bigger. So thank you very much. Thank you, Dustin. I really appreciate it, man. Now, wasn't that terrific? I really thought that financing was just buying one property with a mortgage like you would normally buy a house when you move into a house, when you buy your first house. That was when I first started investing. But there are so many other ways and other smart ways to use your money to buy more properties even faster because money is just a tool for us to buy more properties and those properties give us more money. Now, if we use financing in the right way, 
where we make money from those financing, we can grow our business so much faster. So you guys, thank you so much for being here with, with me today. Again, those two links, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash group and masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. All right, now I wanna see you starting to invest in rental properties, changing your lives. So get out there, start doing it, and I will see you next week. You guys take care of yourselves. Peace out.